This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. It's just me today. Today's conversation is with Heolani Sonoda Pale from Kalahui Hawaii Political Action Committee. Kalahui Hawaii Political Action Committee is a national committee of Kalahui Hawaii, an Oivi initiative for Hawaiian self-governance formed by and for Kanaka Maoli without the interference of the state or federal governments or its agencies in 1987. The Political Action Committee is once again helping to organize the annual Onipa'a Peace March and Rally on January 17, 2023, commemorating 130 years since the illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy. The Onipa'a Peace March and Rally is free and open to the public, so keep an eye out for more information as the date approaches. Here's our interview with Heilani from September. All right. So today we are speaking with Heolani Sonoda Pale from Kalahui Hawaii Political Action Committee. And um, we're really excited to be speaking with you today and hear more about your work. Could you just introduce yourself and give us some background on Kalahui Hawaii and how this organization came to be? Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Heolani Sonoda Pale. I am the Public Affairs Officer for the Kalahui Hawaii Political Action Committee, a.k.a. Komike Kalai Aina. Uh, Kalahui Hawaii is a native initiative for self-determination and self-governance. It was formed in 1987 by a group of grassroots Kanaka Maoli um, on the island of Hawaii. Um, 1987, they created their first constitution, and since then we've had hundreds of workshops across the islands. Uh, we've uh, organized, we, we were the main organizers for the 1993 100th anniversary for the Onipa'a over, illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy, um, where Dr. Hanmeke Trask made her historic speech. Uh, we have gone to the United Nations and sent delegations there for years. Um, we have lobbied uh, on the federal level uh, for Hawaiian rights and entitlements to our lands and to sovereignty. Uh, we, have, um, we have drafted treaties with the Inuit and Native American tribes on Mokuhonu, uh, and re we registered over 20,000 citizens uh, to our group. Um, the heyday of Kalahui Hawaii was in, in the 1990s and early 2000s. Um, but since then, uh, we have kind of been not holding our legislative sessions and not having our elections. But in 20, in 2015, we reconvened the Political Action Committee after the Department of Interior came to Hawaii and held hearings on all the islands asking us if Native Hawaiians wanted to 
reestablish a relationship with the federal government. <laughs> and everyone said no. Um, over 90% of attendees at those hearings held on every island said no, we don't want um, we don't want the relationship or any we don't want what you're offering basically. That's what they told the Department of Interior. So we reconvened because of that and we have been going strong for the last seven years as a committee uh, where we have pretty much advocated on all kinds of levels, the community, land boards, the count, the county level. We've been at the legislature every year uh, monitoring there. We have um, written multiple letters to our delegation and to the Department of uh, Interior um, regarding the, the status of Hawaiians in our own homeland. 20,000 people on the wait list for Hawaiian homelands is unacceptable. <laughs> Um, and regarding the leases of um, Pohakuloa and Makua Valley, which are all coming up soon for renewal, or hopefully not for renewal, but for expiration. And so that's kind of like where we're at now with Kalapui Hawaii. Um, in the last five years, we have been involved with the planning and basically the holding the space at the at Ilani Palace um, for our Lahui um, and planning a march from Mauna Ala to Ilani Palace along, along with Queen's Court. So we've been actively involved in the last at least five years with that. And this next year we're coming up to the 130th anniversary since the illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy. So we planned the 100th. We held space at the palace every year on January 17th for many, many years. And then we started working with the Queen's Court and organizing the march from Mauna Ala to Iolani Palace every year. And that's kind of like where we're at now. Thank you, Heilani, for sharing some of that history. I wonder, before we move into more about your specific uh, programming and activities, um, if you'd like to name some of the other people who are involved in this kind of reconvening of Kalahui, as well as some of the uh, founding members back in the 80s. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. So after the Department of Interior came and we, we called in all the elders of Kalahui, Hawaii, we had a meeting at um, Kamakako Kalani, and it was decided that we would bring the committee back and the committee can can speak on behalf of Kalawi Hawaii. Um, and so I was, um, I was created as the chair. I was uh, put in that position. I used to be the chair of the political action committee back in the 90s. <laughs> And so I was made the chair again in 2015. Um, <clears throat> members of our committee include um, past Kiaina. Uh, so we have Lehua Kinilao, who's an attorney. And she was our last elected 
governor or Kiaina for Kalawi Hawaii. Uh, we have elders that advise us, like Uncle Black, uh, Ho'ohuli, who's a, who was a, also an elected Kiaina or governor for Kalawi Hawaii, and Mililani Trask is also one of our advisors. Um, right now we are led by Lea Nui Nui Miheo, who's also, who's been in the movement for 30 plus years. And uh, she was married to Soli Miheo, who's, who's been in the movement for many decades as well and with the Nuclear Free Pacific. And she is currently our chair. Uh, we're mainly, most of our committee members are women. Um, and I will say this about our committee. I am the youngest. <laughs> so, um, and everyone kind of brings different expertise to our committee. So we have an expert on land. We have, uh, an expert on the legislative process. We have a graphic artist. We have a um, someone who's really good with fundraising, so it's uh, and we have people that move in and out of the committee as well. Anyone's welcome. Where we've always put out on our website, you know, you can always join our committee. You can always come to our meetings. They're open to the public. Uh, we pretty much put everything out there. All of our testimonies. We just updated our website because we're revamping it, but we basically have an archive of all our testimonies always online. Um, so you always know what is our position on different issues. Uh, and for Kalawi Hawaii, the training we received uh, when I joined, it, I was like 19 and my husband's a Kalahui Hawaii citizen. His mother, grandmother, his whole family were Kalahui Hawaii citizens. So uh, we, my husband, so I kind of met my husband in Kalahui Hawaii and we received really good training, I would say, in terms of understanding, like even Robert's rules of orders, that's how we operated our legislative sessions. Uh, passing legislation within our Lahui um, legislative sessions, um, taking positions and debating those positions at our ledge sessions. Those were all really valuable experiences, um, you know, when I was younger and when my husband was younger and for many of my colleagues that are for my generation, uh, and I, I work still a lot with Kalahui Hawaii citizens, and there are many people who have taken that training that we had that was so valuable. We had legends, you know, in our in our group. I mean, we had Dr. Anoniki Trask, we had Mirinani Trask, we had. Um, um, Kiamuku Kapu, um, Kialoha Piscoda. These are all people who were part of Kalahui and are still our citizens of Kalahui, Hawaii. Um, we all believe in the um, mission 
which is our right to self-determination. Yeah, that's great context for us to like get a scope of how the organization began and that its creation itself was an act of sovereignty. Um, so maybe now we could talk about, you know, how that original act of sovereignty is, is playing out today and what kind of projects Kalahui is really focused on right now. I know um, the Onipa'a March is a big project and maybe you could speak about the importance of that. Yes. So part of our holding space with, um, was January 17th, 1893 was, you know, was when the moment of the overthrow happened and it was illegal and it was a theft that was initiated by Americans on Hawaiian soil. And it was something, it was, um, it was a crime done against Hawaiians. And for many, many years, we didn't know about what happened in 1893. It was something, it was a part of a history that was not in our textbooks at school. It wasn't something we learned. Um, I didn't learn about it till college until I stepped into Dr. Hanami K. Trask's classroom, <laughs> literally. Um, and it's an it, it was hidden from Hawaiians for a reason because it is so, it, it was, it was, it was the moment where everything changed for Hawaiians. And it was the moment we lost political power over our own homeland. And it's the moment of the theft of our lands too as well. So all of that is happening right at that one moment, January 17th, 1893. We need to remember that date. We need to commemorate it not celebrate it, but commemorate it because you know what's amazing? In 1893, there were what? Less than 40,000 Hawaiians. Now we're in 2022 and there's, there's nearly a million Hawaiians, right? Worldwide. I think that we're up to 800,000 or something like that. That's amazing. I mean, we not only recovered our population, but we actually recovered our memory. <laughs> it's like, we actually began um, unraveling the past and Onipa'a is part of that, is part of ensuring that 1893, January 17th, will never be forgotten. Not by us, not by our children and not by our grandchildren. And so the past couple years, well, not during COVID, we still held the March, but it wasn't very big. But the one before COVID started, you know, we had schools and the one before that. So schools were coming out and grade school children were coming to these marches that we've been planning for the last few years. And that's really valuable in terms of, it will really, I mean, for those children who participate, it's part of them actually, not just learning about what happened in a, in a textbook or like in a classroom, 
but they're actually walking it. Like they're they're actually marching in history and in such a way that it, it'll be hard for them to ever forget that this happened. <laughs> so it's part for us, Onipa'a and the commemoration of the illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy is really important in ensuring that as a Lahui, as a people, we never forget that this happened to us. And we need to we need to remember that the overthrow happened to Hawaiians. That's who it happened to, and that's who it affected adversely. We never recovered from that. And we still are trying to recover from that, you know. We've had the worst statistics for the last 130 years. You know, we were on the bottom of every social economic statistic. And we were, um, our educational attainment was really low for, but, you know, and things are changing and it's part of the huli, you know, it's part of that understanding of our history and where we came from and how we got here. How we got to this moment where there's an American flag waving over our heads and the military is bombing our lands and the U.S. Navy just poisoned our water and there's 28,000 people on a waiting list to get lands that were set aside specifically for them, for Kanakamali of 50% blood quantum or more. So how did we get here? Like, how did we get to a point where we are dying from diseases that are controllable, like diabetes and hypertension and, um, you know, we are um, still yet trying to get, climb up that socioeconomic scale, but, and we're not there yet, but we're still at the bottom. And it, it's understanding the political context of everything. So if you don't understand the, and you gotta start with the overthrow, everything starts there in terms of what's happening prison day. Um, so for us, Onipa'a is about just making sure we never forget, our future generations never forget, and telling the stories that need to be told. And that's part of having the speeches and the music and um, the educational um, component of Onipa'a. So, and we feel that's super important. And that's why Kalahui Hawaii, along with Queen's Court, has taken up that kuleana. Listening to you describe some of these, I guess, conditions of the occupation, uh, um, you know, the bombing of land, the polluting of the water, um, disease, all that. And then your description of kind of the importance of Onipa'a. I'm wondering if you could talk about some of these words and what they mean um, mean to you and to Kalahui uh, of, you know, self-determination, sovereignty, Onipa'a, maybe Ea. Just if you could talk about, um, you know, if, you know, since the, the, the forming of Kalahui was already an act of self-determination, you know, could you just share what, um, you know, what self-determination 
um, means and looks like to you? So the right to self-determination is an internationally recognized human right that is afforded to all indigenous peoples. And um, people get, so a couple of things I want to mention. People get confused about self-determination as defined in international law and under federal law. So under the U.S. federal policy, our right to self-determination is not, is basically confined by um, the, the U.S. federal policy on Indians. So that what they're talking about is federal recognition when they talk about our right to self-determination under the federal policy. When you talk about self-determination under international law, the option of independence is on the table. So it's about our right to freely choose our future, our political, economic, cultural future, and what that looks like. And it's about having a choice. Under the United States, that choice is limited to what they want to give us. But in, under international law, the right to independence or the right to choose independence should be there. So self-determination is about our right to choose our political status. And what Kalawi did in formulating our own nation outside of the United States. We're not a nonprofit. We have not been registered with any um, federal entity or on, on, as a US corporate entity. We are a nation. And our right to form our own nation was exercised in 1987 and to create our own constitution to govern ourselves and that of our citizens. Um, and that's what's self-determination. That's an exercise of it. And under the international under international law, we are supposed to be afforded that right. We're supposed to be allowed to freely choose our political status. And that has yet to happen for Hawaiians. Because if independence is not on the table, then it's not a choice. Any choice other than independence is, is not really a choice. I mean, what person wouldn't choose independence, right? <laughs> it's like, um, that's a no-brainer. But anyway, so that's kind of like um, just the short, a short explanation of self-determination and my understanding of it. And um, so for us, you can exercise like... There, there's you can you can do acts of self determination in in different arenas, and so that's why we have the four self four arenas of sovereignty, of um, and so we believe that you need to actually engage in all arenas, so native to native, um, and that's what we do all the time. We do workshops uh, for our community for free. Um, uh, government to government, and that's Kalokui Hawaii creating treaties with Native American nations. Um, and 
Um, we also engaged in the international arena. So, and that was Kalahui, Hawaii, sending delegations to the United Nations. And we've also um, engaged with the United States on all levels of their government and advocated for Kanaka Maoli. Um, we can't wait for independence or sovereignty to happen to try to improve our lives and to fight for what is rightfully ours. We have to, however we have to do it, we just got to do it. Whether it's within the system or creating a system outside of this colonizer system, we have to do it somehow and some way. That's, that's kind of like how we operate. Like we just do it on all levels, inside and outside. Um, and that's kind of, it's important for people to understand that because like, for example, going to the legislature, you know, that was a big part of our work and has been a big part of our work. We, we do the Kohopono report card every year um, where we grade the legislators on how they voted on legislation that directly affected Kanaka Maoli. Now, we've been criticized for doing, for going to the legislature and actually engaging there and providing testimony because it is, you know, it is the fake state. It is um, an illegitimate government, right? We're under occup occupation right now. However, these are people, there are people at the legislature that are making laws that will affect our people, whether we like it or not. And for the, even if it's for the record, putting our voice down on paper you know, on behalf of Kalahui Hawaii was and is super important to us because just like the Kuwait petitions, it'll always be there. And in, for future generations, if they ever want to say, hey, well, um, do we, was we Hawaiians against, let's say, House Bill 499, um, where they allowed for extensions of leases indefinitely, all they have to do is go to the record, go to the hearing records, and they'll see hundreds, hundreds of Hawaiians that gave testimony in opposition. And that's super important. Although the United States is our colonizer and although they are occupying our territory, um, we still have to engage there. And for the record, put it in writing. Our kupuna understood that. And look at the Kuwait petitions. So, that's kind of like where we're at. No, that's that was great. Um, and I know that you know the Onipa'a March that's coming up this year, or um, January seventeenth of twenty twenty-three, um, is this. This one's going to mark 130 years of U.S. military occupation in Hawaii. Um, and of course, you know, the leases are um, expiring in 2029. And so that's a big, um, you know, front of mind issue. And I just am curious about um, how Kalahui Hawaii is thinking about strategizing towards 2029. 
Well, we've already written to our federal delegation about it, and we've written to the Department of Interior about it, and um, we, um, you know, for us, it's about education, and I think a lot of people are on this issue currently, and I think it's important to raise awareness in the community that, you know, <laughs> that the military are not good caretakers of our lands and natural resources. Look what happened with Red Hill. So it's uh, something we've been talking about for years. And uh, uh, before we revamped the website, we did have our letters out that we wrote about um, those leases. Um, because we kind of run off of grassroots power, <laughs> we don't have we don't have resources to go to DC to lobby that, but or lobby against the renewal of those leases. However, I think everybody's on it, and then this whole issue about the poisoning of our water, our aquifer, by the U.S. Navy has really raised awareness, not just in the Kanakamoli community, but in, uh, you know, among all communities in, in Hawaii. And it has raised the red flag about whether or not the military should be holding any land and be in charge of any resources. So, uh, it's, it's, a, it's been a game changer, you know. Uh, it's, it's pretty much for myself personally, my number one issue right now is the water. As a mother, as a daughter, um, as someone who lived here, who grew up here, whose ancestors are from here, from time immemorial, I, I can't, this is the fight for basically our island and our future. So, and I've, and I've said it multiple times in the media, but you know, the silver lining on this issue has been people taking another look at the US military presence in Hawaii and looking critically at them um, colonization, occupation, all of that is is killing not just our people, but our island and our natural resources, and it needs to stop. And it's wonderful to see, you know, so much uh, people being so woke and educated on, on all these issues. Um, it's great. It's good to hear that a lot of people are becoming more aware and activated around the issue of Red Hill. Uh, I know Kalahui Hawaii has been putting a lot of energy into that particular issue and working closely with Oahu Water Protectors for over a year now, doing fundraising, demilitarization education, and frontline actions. I wonder if you could talk more about this current period of political mobilization, and uh, especially the activation of new younger people, both with Red Hill as well as Mauna Kea over the past years. How do you see that all playing out at Kalahui Hawaii? 
Yeah, that's actually a good question. So, um, yeah, Monica has been um, a wake-up call for many Hawaiians, um, has really raised the political consciousness of our Lahui, and has um, been a game-changer in the movement. And it has shifted things um, into a different direction. Uh, the movement has changed from the 90s. Um, today, it's it's different, not just because of Mauna Kea, um, but also because of social media, and also because of the inf- of the fact that you know information is so like is so out there already. You know, I'm, like I'll now give you an example. When I started the movement, we used to. We used to have to do a lot of sharing of information via facts. <laughs> um, you know how all the bills are online now? We used to actually have to print out hundreds of pages and go through each bill uh, that was printed on paper. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that has changed. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been it's good. It's really good. But then, you know, there's a downfall to that as well, because uh, activism is, doesn't just happen on social media. You know, you need to actually go out there and, and organize and uh, hit the streets, basically. So, um, you know, with every new change, there's good and bad. And I think with the movement now, um, that's my concern is that everyone's good. Like in term, I mean, there's a lot of people who are woke and un- understanding uh, of the situation and um, supportive of decolonization and deoccupation of our um, lands and our uh, waters and natural resources. But um in terms of mobilization, you know, with Mauna Kea, we saw that, you know, on a huge scale, but how do we keep that going? And how do we keep people coming out and showing up and basically um, participating in the processes that need to be participated in? I mean, having our voices heard so that's a concern, but you know, for me, I see this as the as the the hulihia basically happening. You know, it's not. We've come a long way. I'll just say that we've come so far. We have so much more to go, and I I I think for us, we need to. I, I think. Our young people are like just reimagining and reshaping the movement, you know, in, in their terms, because they grew up with iPhones and um, social media and texting, um, you know, emails. That's another thing that was pretty new. <laughs> um, that helped change things, but. At the same time, when when I was organizing um, in my early 20s, um, we still had the phone tree, seriously. 
that we actually literally had to call people up <laughs> to tell them to show up. And that's how we got people to show up. And we did. And so the fact that we were able to mobilize people back then is kind of amazing because now all you got to do is put something out on social media and you can, you can probably get some people out there. Um, but I, I feel like we need to start encouraging people to get out more, get out from behind social media um, and get out from just verbalizing things on social media and, you know, participating in real life um, frontline actions, you know? So, and then I think for me, that's, that would be my message. It's just like social media is great, but it's not the end all. And we're not going to get, we're not going to get um, our nation back and our lands back and our waters back by posting on social media all day. You know, they always tell us, you guys aren't united enough to um, to run your own country. <laughs> Look at the Democrats and the Republicans, you know. Uh, I think Hawaiians are more united than we think. And, you know, given the chance, I, t I tell you, we would we'd be right there. We would grab those reins and take it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a... Um a really good message to end on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. No, it's great. This this conversation has been really educational for me. So mahalo for everything you've shared. Great. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. And uh, you know, keep on keep on fighting. <laughs> Don't stop. You know, just every little bit counts. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho! Dim spending done